0: Winter, spring, summer, fall. seasons changed, we still keep it
1: together. Hey, Beverly Hills 90210 fans, are you ready to dive deep, episode by episode, storyline by storyline, character by character, as we break down the making of your favorite zip code with your host?
0: Charles Rose. Did I say that? I this
2: thing
1: about the, the, the real person, and we going what? Should we get rid of this guy.
0: Pete Ferrero.
1: I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen <laughs> looks TV crush worthy. Like so many special guests and all your questions
3: live on the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Oh yeah.
1: Okay, well, here we are on another of the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Uh, Charles, you've been all over the place. I've just, been
4: everywhere, man. I've been <laughs> everywhere.
1: Mainly uh, Arizona. You were away and we're sorry for all the scheduling. We wanted to do this Wednesday. It just wasn't possible. Your Wi-Fi wasn't wonderful. It was like 1992's Wi-Fi, right?
4: <laughs> uh, especially when you're up in these beautiful red mountains of Sedona, which is a uh, uh, uh on the road to uh between phoenix and and the grand canyon and i've been to the grand canyon a couple of times and uh i think that sedona is more the the physicality elements of of uh sedona are more breathtaking and interesting so beautiful red mountains i i, I encourage anybody to go there
1: um you had a nice time year, really just the Wi-Fi was not wonderful.
4: Well, you get up in those mountains, not so good Wi-Fi. I find the whole state of Arizona, well, how can I say it? It reminds me of Arizona. <laughs> um, Arizona, although still in Arizona, let's let's call it like it is. They still one state. You know, Arizona has some challenging driving. It just does. You drive in LA, you see an Arizona plate, you got to be a little wary, but nothing. And in there, it wasn't even in Arizona, you'd be driving on the roads and this. And why is this driver doing this? Oh, my gosh. And where's this driver fr- from right. Hello, Florida? You know, they're always.
1: All right. Florida I see our cars, I guests waiting in the wings. But I want to start with you to ask you about Highwire. Um, a lot of things are happening in this episode. There's a lot of we're moving to a lot of different things. Um, one of the things is the legacy key. And we can we'll talk about that in a second. But the other big thing that's happening here is that there, there's a lot of uh, a big debate about who is going to go to college. Uh, Brenda and Brandon have an issue with their parents not having the funds to send both of them away to school. This is the the crux of this. So why don't we start? Just want to start here talking about What's the college. You, debacle.
4: Up, you only you you bring up the moment or the thing that is absolutely most contrived and in fact um to an unbelievable length uh, quite frankly we're going to think about it and we'll get back to you friday so you better stay here for all four acts of this tv show um and if you would have guessed right then uh you may have come would have come to the conclusion like that that the kids who were squabbling about who had the right to go would both choose to stay in Los Angeles, and that after the parents, of course, have said we'll take out a second mortgage without um, w- without the parents going, we'll have to get into debt. And and indeed, the '90s were the period because these were the you know the children of the baby boomers, and there were more, you know, the Gen gens you know X Gen Z coming into it in the '90s people were thinking about relative to college and college expenses were going way up. So the cost of college, cost of private education was such that um, uh, it re- really was, you know, this, this was on families' minds. And as you and I have discussed, you know, what, you know, Mr. Spelling was was uncomfortable with this episode. I think yeah. lots of reasons. I think the first one is is because it was really clear now they're moving on. They're thinking about things that aren't just sis boom bah. Even it's though, a
1: commitment to college. This episode is not only a commitment for Brandon and Brenda, but also for Mister Spelling. That next season, uh, yes. And, yeah. and
4: even though the next episode that follows is in you know very high school, which is home and away, right. It's the dance and a football game, and and of course with the twist of some some of the violence that was going on in L.A. at the time. Unfortunately, then what more things change right yeah um but at the same time i think it was also knowing how he would think about things i think that he it was one thing to you know he he liked to deal with with things with money he liked that and he liked wow we have a lot of money but he didn't like people to flaunt it so there was steve sanders saying i got the bucks it's not going to matter I don't have the bucks, it will matter. He didn't like thinking in these character terms of, you know, they're wealthy, they're not wealthy. In real life, he, he did kind of, but not in to show the money struggles that a family like the Walshes, yes. who, are, who are supposed to be in Beverly Hills, have some, even if it's the, the, the other side of the tracks or whatever, or the 500 right. block. They still, you know, have issues. Um, so I think that was things around it, and just the the you know the stress of um, of going to to college. I will say something that uh, is interesting. You know, the reason that Andrea Zuckerman, of course, would would be um, coveting Yale, is because at this point, you know, we thought, hey, our kids should go to Yale. Yale's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Karen yeah. And Charles. <laughs> yeah. By the time our kids were growing and were applying to schools like that, um, thank you. Hello, University of Pennsylvania. Yale is a school for spies. You know, we, uh, <laughs> what we didn't like about, yeah. But at that point, oh, Yale. So we we, we did put it up there. And I thought it was interesting how they, we, but we also... I thought in looking at it that we've learned a lot about these characters, Donna, and and how the interest in, she had an interest in art and how that could spark you into going to that kind of thing or that there's community college was mentioned in all this. So I think it was an interesting overture of looking at college and all our kids were really going through college. And, of course, and most of them had come to some kind of conclusions. Still left un, unrealized, Kelly... Donna, excuse me, Kelly, David, and Dylan.
1: Yeah, and well, and Kelly, Dylan, and Brenda, and that triangle is still happening. I have to tell you, um, in the debate of, you know, sometimes you can look, I have a lot of perspective away from this, but you were right. We, My generation at this time was watching the show. We were all doing this stuff. We were having these conversations at school. Who doesn't want to go to college? Who's going to college? What's the SAT situation like? You know, all, all of these things, and, and I definitely had friends that were probably like the Andrea Zuckermans who were very stressed about uh, getting into the school that they wanted to. So if you had left that out of the, the conversation and these kids just were like the Simpsons and stayed an age and never, never grew up, the show would have been done next year. So, you were, I mean, sorry, Mr. Well, Spelling. I
4: just didn't done it for Charles Rosen, for sure, because I just wouldn't have known what was on their minds, you know? And it's not just that I went to Beverly Hills High School. Um, you know what was an interesting thing about this episode? I'm not sure they did a Beverly Hills West Beverly Hills.
1: No, I don't think they did. Oops. Oh,
4: my, my. Maybe the insurance <laughs> let up. But I don't, we did not have one in this now that I think about it. No. Uh, when we did the Beverly Hills, I mean, you know, it wasn't that much different. It didn't matter. These these conversations would be happening, um, and and what I have known now uh, that in terms of the conversation about that Andre was having with Gil, yes, and he would say, "Oh, don't you think I'm fit and I'm this?" But the fact of the matter is, is that when you're a public school kid applying to a an elite private school. The, the Ivy League seeing themselves as the most elite, but there were other schools mentioned, Northwestern, Duke, and this, but you're a public school kid, you're at a disadvantage. I did not know that when we were, when we were writing the yeah. in, in the 90s, because I hadn't seen, not just my kids, but kids after kids after kids seeing results, seeing what they come, and, and then, of course, the competition. But I also really loved the fact that, you know, was college really as important? And if Mr. Spelling would have let me have all these kids be in other places and being doing other things, and then come together. Not other colleges necessarily. I didn't ne- not necessarily have to send Dylan McKay to college. He mm. wanted Dylan McKay to go to college. What would he have done differently? You know. Right. So there were, you know, you 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 know you you have you make a creative choice, and you got to go down that lane. And that's sure.
1: So all right. I wanna. To I wanted, to... I, but
4: I also need to say one thing. This episode would not have happened without Gabriel Carteris having gotten herself into great shape and being part of the high wire, the high wire, the circus of the network stars, which was a CBS franchise and that CBS chose somebody from Fox on that. It was an acknowledgement that there was another network. So I think that was big and we used it very well. And, uh, you know, we don't really think about Andrea Zuckerman because she's brainy, because she's shorter as a really stellar athlete but you cannot do what she did crossing a rope like that with the balance of that unless she had some skills.
1: Yes, and I, I do want to talk about that. We have an interview with Bethany Rooney in a little bit where she talks about shooting some of those scenes, so I'm looking forward to that. I want Good. to talk about the legacy key. Um, this is something we've never really touched upon. We were always hoping that Ian would join us. We're still waiting on that. Um, but I want to talk about it. What?
4: I guess he's ashamed that he had to <laughs> resort to such... Ne'er do well kind of uh, ethics. Uh, <laughs> I see. seen it must be that, right?
1: It has to be. Yes. um All right. So, talk, talk to me about the legacy key.
4: Well, the legacy it, it, to way I I do not know when the legacy started. However, I do know who offered me to <laughs> <laughs> that, you know some of the, some of the perks of the key, and I knew that that person had an older brother. And that older brother was in my sister's grade in high school. So let's say that it started around 1964, 1965, maybe in the early 60s like that. So by the time my graduation, so, but, but that was, I didn't know it. But by 1968, I was a sophomore, seniors, someone mentioned about the Legacy King, told me about it, told me how they, how they were using it. And, mm. and how it, it, it really basically cost a nice bottle of high-end scotch to get the access. Um, the, the, uh, when the episode aired, and anyway, so I heard about it, and, I, and that, that's, that's all I did. When I was becoming a senior, uh, like the week before school, I was offered the key. Mm. And it was uh, thanks, but no thanks. Um, not for any, you know, You everybody knows, you know, I, I would be ethically challenged. Oh, wow. I can get ahead. The <laughs> Change all your grades. Yeah. Love that idea. But I, I also was also a realist and I didn't want to get caught. Of course. So I, so I passed on it. And I think you and I have discussed that the night that this episode aired or that the legacy key was first brought up, um, I got a telephone call from the person who, who now is deceased. But who uh, offered me the key? And he was in Los Angeles, and he was freaked out.
0: And oh, I said geez.
4: to him, you know, let's call it. Let's call him uh, Mike. Mike. Okay. What do you? What do you? You know, you and I are the only few pre- people I know this. And I kind of calmed him down. Yeah. He uh, he you didn't say Mike, but I could never uh, yeah. say his last name." I just gave you his first name. Anyone who wants to be a sleuth have a yearbook <laughs> of the class of 1969. Maybe you could figure it out.
1: Is he was he a prominent person that would not want that to have happened?
4: He was a very it was stupid that he even had it. He was a very good student. I see. But he cut, but he cut corners.
1: Mm. He came this is one way came, for sure.
4: Uh, yeah, he had his own he had his own thing. If I if I told You one thing about him that would that would really illustrate his personality, and like, why would you do this? Um, You those uh, there are a few people out there who might be uh, would be able to identify him.
1: Got it. All right. Well, in in the world of Beverly Hills, now to another TV show that was somebody that Steve Sanders had to get through um, to you know to get the key because he had the wrong key, and it's him. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Girl. Hi,
3: Jeff. <coughs> Hi.
1: Our janitor. Jeff, how are you, man? It's good to see you. Thanks for all the scheduling stuff. I know it's been a a, a second.
3: You're on the road, I guess, huh?
4: Yes. I, I was on the road, and unfortunately, and, and the road was not adapting to my time change. <laughs> uh, you, you know how the road can get. But You need a road too. Uh, but really, really so much fun. What do you say?
1: You need a road key. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah. Or you know, even better than a road key, I use a driver. Yeah. <laughs> I, you you would understand that too. As, as someone who used to love. I drove across country. I loved it. It's now. Where's the rest area? You know. <laughs> but um, really enjoyed watching this episode. This is one of the ones, Jeff. You know, wouldn't know this, and we haven't talked about this yet. This was one of Mr. Spelling's least favorite episodes. I was very good, uh, he said modestly, but truthfully, we would put together really very detailed outlines, and they would get submitted. The reason I saw it as a self and I I taught at UCLA for a number of years, and I saw it as a protective thing for a writer to do, because if you put everything in the outline, and your producer, director, network, or if they all read the outline and they sign off on the outline, when you get to the script, you can't then say, what's this part? It was in the outline. Mm. And believe me, I, I was a movie of the week writer and it saved me because people could never remember what they, what they approved. I could remember because I had an outline. Thank you very much. So this was one, you know, here we were in the third season by this point. And and unlike the first season where we were just on a like, are we going to get through the first 12? When are they canceling this thing? The second season was all teenage uh, hijinks and and, you know, everything. And and Mr. Spelling would have loved if we could have done that for six or seven years in a row. But, but, you know, the problem was, is that he also liked things to be in real time. Right. liked to have the Christmas episode. He liked to have the Valentine's Day episode. He liked, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if you're in the calendar in real time, time marches on. Right. So we, you know, what were we going to do? And we got to that impasse and and the network uh, understood where my problem was because I say once you, at a certain point, you have to be thinking about college in the way that co- Kids were in the 80s and 90s. That, that was on their minds. And uh, although our show was always the 90s, it was, it was you know, it was my experience in the 70s and in, in, in a suburban urban high school like Beverly Hills High School. And and so we had to do the the moving forward. Nonetheless, this was the episode where college was first really talked about. Mm. And he just scribbled all over the page on that poor writer, uh, you know. Who, who I you know one of the things. Did you
3: did you get a chance to look at the episode of self Jeff? I haven't seen it recently. Uh, uh, I remember when, when, I did three, so I'm not sure exactly which one yeah. this one is. But well, this was the great. This was the first one. This is when
4: you established that yeah. he has to come to you get you because he can never remember his locker combination. I don't know where that came from. Right.
1: Uh, <laughs> Jeff, how did you... All, you, know, did, you did, did you get into the casting process? We, we had, I interviewed Bethany Rooney, and she yeah. says that the two of you are friendly and, and have known each other for years. Is that yeah. how you auditioned for 90210, or no? No,
3: I did not know Bethany back then. Mm. Uh, we've only really become closer in the last uh, 10, 12 years. But um, uh, I did know, I I think they just called me in. But when I got in there, I ran into Jessica Klein. And she was one of the writers. And uh, Steve, her husband, Steve Wasserman, um, they were writers. And and I was a friend of theirs, but they didn't know I was coming in. And then um, when I did the audition, she... uh, I think I don't either. She caught me on my way out, or something. I don't remember if she called me later and said, "I was so happy that you just nailed the audition, and I didn't have to say anything. They just did all the talking, and you got hired." So,
4: well, Jeff, that's good, you know. And also, Jessica, what was I guess a little more was less uh, was less vocal then because she she knowing Steve and Jessica, Steve, it, it, you know, took his prime task away from writing as being post-production but jessica was very involved in the casting process given mm. what the two w- were interested in
3: but she um, didn't want to have to sw- uh, swing it for me she said
4: she so didn't she need to and also all the
3: talking so you got hired on that so,
4: <laughs> so that's exactly right yeah but, you know paul and i like to yap and you know <laughs> and, and 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 let the director and and but. It would be not, it would, it was, you know, I, I have the justification of going through your IMDB credit, and I. sometimes those are accurate, sometimes they're not, but you played everybody. You've played the New York Times critic. You've been Rabbi Greenberg. You've been uh, the janitor. You've been all this, and it was interesting, too, though. Here you've been this great character actor in recurring roles, series regulars, everything for all of this time, and I think a really a credit to your personality. I didn't; it was pretty hard to. Not many bad guys. You don't go in. You're I've not, done you know, a few. I've done a few, and they were really not, fun. <laughs> I bet it is, but you know, that's also that's what you get when you have a, a nice personality Which, and a sweet face. You're not going to get to be. Uh, Chuck, but we, would, we thought but with a lot of, of, as a janitor that <coughs> this was your domain i mean in effect the janitor was one of your bad guys
1: i was gonna ask yeah. you do you think this is a bad guy
3: yeah i think he is <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you remember about shooting this uh shooting these episodes on 90210
3: well i i'm i worked with ian and um nobody else really um so uh he was great. He was, you know, he was willing to work things with me and stuff. <clears throat> but basically I had my take on the character and I knew I wanted to be a hard-nosed guy. And I knew I had this kid over a barrel. Uh, so I was pulling power plays on him, you know, yes. and and if I could make a little money on the side, you know, <laughs> so I, I just had I just thought, well, that's easy enough. I mean, you just Be kind of an ass.
4: That's well, you you had this one really terrific line, and I, and I, I, you know, it's hard sometimes you look back at these lines and you wonder, especially for myself, uh, who who did a lot of rewriting. Oh, was that the writers, or did did I come up with that wonderful moment? (laughs) I'll give them all to the writer that because that's the way it should be. But I love the part in, in the scene where you know, where you catch him and you're after this key. And you start in the front of the scene, saying, "You're not the first, and how did you get into it, the money? Well, there may be something more for you. well, because again, you're not the first yeah and and so it really was you know kind of the you you had your power center your your domain um it was a question of uh and 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 so we we you know were able to use it and in and how we did. Um, I don't know if you were able to hear the conversation I was having with, with Pete before um, you, you joined us, but uh, there was a legacy key at, at Beverly Hills High School. We used to, a few people yeah. I knew called it. Um, it was uh, you. You took. You were smarter than I think the janitor at at, <laughs> at, at Beverly High, who I was told just took high end Scotch and that was enough. Uh, <laughs> um, didn't need really uh, greenbacks. But Jeff, did
1: you get recognized from this part? I mean, this was 90210 season three. It's a huge, huge show at this point. And did people recognize you as the janitor anywhere, or did that happen to yeah, you?
3: Sure, sure. Uh, you know, it's funny how ordinarily I don't get recognized. Although my wife tells me as we walk through a mall or walking down the street, that people do double takes and do that kind of thing as I'm walking by. But I don't notice it. I'm just thinking my thoughts and doing my thing. But um, you're right. I've played so many parts, and a lot of them I'm unrecognizable, as Jeff Doucette. In that one, I was recognizable. But I'm a, I am just I just got done playing Ben Franklin. <clears throat> I've done about five or six of those. But I've also done... Um, I'm playing uh, uh, Senator Sam Irvin in this upcoming uh, stars show called Gaslit with Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. Yes, I play Sam Irvin, the head of the Watergate Committee. And me? I mean, (laughs) are you? Did you? You're playing him as the as
4: in the Watergate
3: hearings. Yeah.
4: Well, I will tell you something. You won't meet that many people who went to it almost every single day. I was an intern at Washington for Congresswoman Bre- Yvonne Brathwaite Burke, and I was a, between my junior and senior year at Cal Berkeley, and uh, and she was pregnant, and uh, so she didn't work put in that many hours, and the more her interns, she she had committee work, so we did that, we, we, we really kept on the committee work, so it was fascinating in that regard. But my afternoons were pretty free. There was just some constituent letters, or I could get on the little train and go to the Senate side, show my little pass, and sit in the back and watch history. And uh, and that's what I did. So uh, Sam Irvin was there. Yes. And I
3: made him dress me in that light blue suit. That's the thing I remember most about him. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, it no, that
4: I don't remember. <laughs> oh.
3: You'll When you see the show, you'll probably see it he wore a light blue suit. And, and I just went, Oh, I got to have that light blue suit. That that was just iconic to me.
4: Well, I remember that people were, it was, it was people were, were uh, the irony of it being um, Sam Irwin at the time. Here's this guy, Pete, you know, and he's, he is leading a bipartisan um, coalition between him and Howard Baker, a, right. a, uh, cons- a conservative uh, Republican from, from Tennessee, a, at this point, he'd be a liberal from Tennessee. Yeah. Right? At he was, uh, but at, at, uh, at and together. And, but here was Sam Irwin, the, the Democrat, you know, with, with, with the party of the liberals wanting to get to the bottom of this.
3: And he's a segregationist. Mm. Yeah, he was uh, one of the old Dixiecrats. That's he but sure was. He fancied himself, a, a, I'm just a country lawyer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just a country lawyer, and I have common sense kind of thing. And you know who reminds me of that now? That guy Kennedy from Louisiana. Mm. Uh, Man, I went to the same place. I like Sam Irvin a lot more
4: than that Kennedy guy from Louisiana. Oh, me too. <laughs> you a, know, wait, wait,
1: guys, let me get you back to nine hundred
4: Definitely I need to have this one round of and you get my ahead. Part in because the thing about that country lawyer from Louisiana, that Kennedy guy. Where'd he go to school? Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> phony asshole. Anyway.
1: Yeah. yeah. But but back to the nine oh two one oh stuff, and I will leave that in for you guys. Uh thank you. Do you do you still um it's thirty years later, you're in this big nineties show. What is your thoughts on all of that? Like, I mean that people are still talking about the stuff from the nineties now.
3: Well, I I thought you I mean, what are my thoughts about it then or now?
1: Now, yeah. Oh, well now. then and now, I guess, but now, yeah.
3: Well, now, well, it's thirty years ago. so um, uh, I guess I don't really spend that much time thinking about it and people don't really talk about it that much anymore. but uh, I mean i'm I'm happy to have done it, especially a three uh, three episode arc was nice because I got to dig in a little bit and and feel in the smallest little way that I was part of the cast, you know. Because usually, as a guest, you come in and you're gone the next week, and so you might remember some names. They might remember your name, but this was nice. And uh, uh, I was working a lot at that time, so it was it was in my heyday—the eighties and mid ninety up to the mid late nineties. And now, again, all of a sudden, I'm working a lot again, but. Uh, uh, i I don't know. It was just it was a good time in my life and and I was having a lot of fun. St- Steve and Jessica were uh, dear friends of mine. And how do you uh,
4: know them? How did you connect with them? Steve and Jess?
3: My roommate uh, where I was living uh, was one of was Steve's friend from school or something. Oh. And they used to come over to my house and we would what i I had this barbecue called a hasty bait. And we would we would just laugh all the time. We they'd come over and it would take like forever to smoke because <laughs> it was a smoker, you know, and it would take forever and we'd get so drunk waiting for the food to be ready and we would just laugh and laugh and uh, just became great, great friends. And then I'd go up to their house and we'd hang out there and, and they'd cook a goose or a, something unusual. <laughs> And and we we just spent our time laughing all the time. Yeah. yeah, and they had some really interesting friends too. So it was just a cross breed of. It was was it, You're talking about their house they had up in um, up in um Park up, yeah. up there?
4: Yeah, Los yeah. Feliz. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was off of uh, no, not the Los Feliz one. This was when they lived up outpost. Ah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you for joining us and talking about your time here on 90210. I thought it was awesome to have you. Chuck, do you have any more questions for Jeff regarding this?
4: Just one minor question relative to the, your your director, Bethany Rooney. Um, has she directed you in other things?
3: Has she since? Yes. I was a, yes. a recurring regular on uh, uh, Desperate Housewives, and she did two or three of those. Right. Um. But, you know, I, don't, I think she was one of the first women directors I worked with. I mean, mm. there weren't that many back then. No, I was looking at her. There was a show I forget called Slap Maxwell. And, and, I, and I did that one, too. And, and she, that was her first ones. Oh, well, I was on her first one then. And then I saw her on Beverly Hills 902.
4: And, then, and then she was on, um, and then right from then she did St. Elsewhere. And as I was telling Pete, I wrote for St. Elsewhere. And I had some typing needs, and she was Bruce Paltrow's assistant. And in her spare time, Beth Hillshaver did typing for illiterate writers. And uh, and so that's how I met she, her.
3: Well, that was Beth Hillshaver. I worked with her, too. That's Bethany Rooney. It's the same. It is Bethany Rooney. <laughs> yeah. It's the same person. Okay. That's Sorry.
0: it.
4: Yeah. I
3: didn't know her. <laughs> yeah, well, you see, you've been you've been really you know
4: Well, have got something new to talk about next time you see you in church. <laughs> <There> you <laughs> <come>. <laughs> well,
3: all we right. all knew each other back then. There was a whole lot of people. I knew all the Saint Elsewhere cast because I was recurring on Newhart for five years, and they oh, were right same next the same to commissary. Me. That soundstage was right next to us, and so and I was in acting class with uh, Mark Harmon for years, and I was I was playing on uh, uh, softball teams with some of those guys, and it was it was. We all knew well, it.
4: You know, MTM was it was was the place to be. It was where everyone wanted to be, myself included. So I do my Saint Elsewhere episodes and I turn in the second one and, and Bruce Faltur, Grenna's father, gets furious at me for something we don't need to get into having to do with oh yes money. And so <laughs> um he's screaming at me as I'm leaving the building. And it's one building. Everything that was in uh, uh, MTM world was one building and I'm leaving it and the Radford place and he's saying, you let your agent know, let them know, you'll never work for MTM again. You hear me? Never work for MTM again. And I, oh my God, I'm never gonna work for him. <laughs> I get in the car, I drive home. I have a one message on my machine. It's for to come in because they want me to do an episode of Remington Steel. Um, and my meeting's the next day. So the next day, I drove to the same p- studio, Radford. I parked in the same MTM area. I went into the same building, except instead of turning left and on the first floor, I went up the stairs where they were. And that's my MTM story. <laughs> Amazing. Jeff, again, appreciate it. A little bit of real showbiz uh, yes. on, a, on, a, on our little podcast here.
1: All right, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time. It's much thank appreciated. You. All right. Make thank you,
4: Jeff. So. Good to Bye-bye. see you. Right, Stay well. Right. Happy Easter. Thank you.
1: Um, hey, Chuck. Is it cool if we cut right now? I have to do this ten thirty thing, and then uh, yeah, and then I'll come back at eleven, and we'll finish the rest with Bethany and all the other stuff.
4: You know, uh, you can't, can't. Do you have to? What you have? Is your rest of your day? Are you? Are you I'm little, totally you know, open. Gotta, so anytime. I got to pick, pick up the dogs.
1: Okay. Go. All right. That was great, Jeff. Jeff, as the the janitor, was wh- nice to catch up. Yes, Chuck?
4: Absolutely. You know, you, you go through and you, you start realizing these, these well, look at people you're interested in. You, you're you interviewing guest stars.
1: That's right. Yes. This
4: yeah. is a 45-year 40 year guest star.
1: It's incredible. It really and, is.
4: And, you know, it's that one thing. I don't know if you talk about this with, with some of the guest stars, but I always do that. When I look at old movies. You know, and you start running down the credits and you want to see somebody like, oh, you know, man number three was Montgomery Cliff or, you know, or somebody who was a big star or, or right. you know, what would later become. And you realize that doesn't happen very often. Less and less. If you really go through the movies in this and the old movies of the 60s, 70s, 80s, you 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 realize that if you have a client And you want that client, and that client you think is going to be a star. Sure. You only want them to take support, you know, roles that'll further their career, not roles that will pay their rent. Exactly. And yet, there's that moment where you say, yes, I will play janitor number one and not hold out to be Jim Walsh. And and obviously, uh, our friend made that choice. Hudge is the uh, name you guys gave him.
1: Hudge the janitor is the name that you guys.
4: What do we call him, Hudge?
1: Hudge, I think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: I don't know where that one came from. I, um, that must have been let, a Wasserman contribution.
1: <laughs> I wanted to ask you about um, one of the writers on this. We were we were talking before we came back from the break. <laughs> um, right. Is Star Froman is is credited as a writer on Highwire? Tell me about. We don't really hear that name often. That's not a name that that we hear about. So tell me about Star Froman.
4: Well, we, we brought in three sets of, of writers in this group uh, that we felt we really needed uh, for season three. One was the writing team of Biller and Brancato, uh, who both gone on to do terrific things as writers, uh, as separately, not as a team. We brought in Chip, who is the Emmy-winning uh, and... and, and universally respected and then the third was star and star was obviously there was the one woman of of the group um i know that she went to ucla uh, when karen was there because karen knew of her in the theater department she was um very attractive and tall i remember that always wore jeans almost mm. n- never saw anything else than that and and um i was very disappointed i think of the scripts that she is credited for writing for us, I think this is her strongest. Sure. Partially because she had more, more most time to do it and, and got more, most scrutiny. The same with 9 and 10. In fact, I remember it, 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 for, it, when my birthday came around or something came around and someone was giving me something and, and Chip and um, Star's gifts were for me from writers 9 and 10. Because they knew from the moment they were hired prior to shooting one that these were their two episodes. Because obviously we had the summer episodes. Sure. Um, and uh, she opted because uh, not to come back. And it was uh, it was a uh, it's, it's technical reason, but it, it, it so she was Morgan... offered
1: to, she was offered to come back, and, well, she, and so was Chip. Right, you, you kept both of them on.
4: Well, Chip was never, that was, yes, they were there. But but Chip understood at the same time. They were both writers, not producers. Writers don't get paid for the full episode. So in effect, it's a way for a company to save a, a, a week of payroll. Got you. It, it's all it is. The company thing, every single company does it. There is no writer I know that ever, um, that you just accept it. Who else accepted it? Well, prior to me coming to nine hundred two 90210, I had to um, uh, be, even though I was the head writer and supervising producer, I was paid like a story editor hmm. in, in, in Northern Exposure, which basically meant that when my weeks were over, it was over. I wasn't going to be paid for every episode they did. And, and it was pretty clear that writers knew that coming in. I guess Star's agent forgot to tell her that she took it personally, mm. and she mm. uh, was stubborn on it. And uh, Star, I think you made a goof then. And uh, looking back thirty years ago, because I think there was a lot you would have brought to our party. And yeah, fans would have really judging from the you know the tone of this script and this that that really worked well. Not only her own stuff, but also clearly even working in with me uh, and and Stephen Jass. Um, you know, it was, uh, and and you know, at Star, you want to know, uh, when she did, when the boat went boom, that Star Froman.
1: Wow, yeah,
4: she she was someone that what you know was given up, uh, you know, responsibility. We needed we needed our writers to step up.
1: Sure. And, and, well,
4: and the reason is we had so many effing episodes.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we
4: had some really nice writers both in season three, season four, season different. And I just, even though I like them, I had to say bye. Yeah. Because if you can't, if I've got to spend too many days rewriting you,
1: yeah, not
4: I, I don't have any time to do all the other things like I do. I just sit on the phone and get either screamed at or scream. You know, sure. At least, at least we did a lot of that back then.
1: The the um the other uh, the funny well the com, one of the comedy runners I guess of this episode is that David catches Kelly in the shower. And she feels, you know, it's a whole thing. And he's talking to the guy. He talks to Steve, and Steve knows about the body, you know, the part of the body that she has, or whatever. So it's 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 really interesting and funny stuff. And it's and I think it's um, one of the things that I remember a lot from 90210. So, what is your take on looking back on on that? I think aspect?
4: it all works. For the only thing that I thought was a little cringeworthy, not just a little cringeworthy, cringeworthy, is when Gap is when Andrea. Ask the boys if they picture her naked.
1: I did catch that. Yeah,
4: I don't know if Cr Charles Rosen today would have let that moment pass.
1: And also, like Steve says something to her, like, uh, "Is there what is there something with that shake or some 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 line that he?" I know, was like, "Ooh, this is not. This would not have made the cut at our show today."
4: No, oh, I think I, I well. There was another yes. There was another moment of of pretty overt yeah sexism. Uh, said that was that was unusual. But again, you know, you have to first of all, as interesting as a woman writer, so there yes. was less, so there was less. Look at there was less PC. the The name of the television show uh, on late night was called Politically Incorrect. That's right. You you were allowed to be it a little more. Right? I mean Bill Maher has turned into kind of an old crab because a, little bit, a lot yeah. of the things that were okay 30 years ago just you know and, and in a me too environment are not, are not, are not right. It's not it's not it, it was stupid. You know, here's here's this young woman um, uh, you know wanting to go to Yale and that's what she's uh, that's what's on her mind. Yeah. You know, um, you know do I really care what you guys think at the same time I I thought it was perfectly okay that the guys would be in her dream on the high wire and that she would see. uh, You know what I noticed in this episode was a lot of projection. Mm -hmm. A lot of people thinking, well, this must be it, and since this must be it. And sometimes it's right on the mark. Like I thought one of the most interesting lines in the entire script was when Donna says to Kelly, not right, but does point out. You're just jealous because I got a boyfriend and you don't.
1: And yeah, I love that.
4: You realize that, well, this is obviously informing how she's thinking and behaving. And then that story, that little line that she says, is what pretty much propels her to come over to, to that. Yes. To, to uh, Dylan's house that night. And I think the other thing that's that was pretty interesting is that um, how. Dylan, uh, at that point was only always into his surfing and, and motorcycling. Um, I don't know. I think that again, you, you you do things that you need in the moment because Dylan McKay was mad, bad, dangerous to know he's quoting Proust from his first or uh, from his first episode. Yes. There's a little more going on than just those two things and wouldn't, um, wouldn't, Brenda have more insight into some of that than to rely on her father's points of view. And, yes. I, and I realized that, that you know, despite how we portrayed Brenda and, and how she wanted to be portrayed, the one thing she obviously didn't really care for in things that we did is I noticed, gee, she is really susceptible to her father's point of view. She really is her daddy's yeah, you know, daughter, it really does matter uh, in in that. Um, I mean, and there's a
1: that comes through in this episode too. You know yeah, what I mean? So I yeah. thought
4: these were some of the int- for, for the, the kind of fans that are listening to this and are super about it. I thought those were some of the real um, interesting stuff. Up there also was something just technically that was interesting. So you, you're in the uh, you, Steve knows something's going on with David, right? And you're in the uh, radio booth and you're in the radio booth, and then you, you cut away to other material, and then, you, uh, and then you come back, and you're picking them up again, but they're almost finished with the conversation. That's post-production. Clearly, the scene was too long, and I didn't need a lot of the, you gotta tell me in this, it was uncomfortable. We had to cut time at a certain place. So we took a scene, put it in between a scene, a longer scene that was there, and mm. we were able to pick it up when we were farther
1: into it. Oh, it's great though. It's it's it cuts out all the fat of the of the comings exactly. and goings of what exactly. may have happened so you, and So yeah.
4: that's why you, you you know you you fix it you you change things in post.
1: I'm you, sure you, that was yeah. a common comment made around, the, around in the in the in the in the We'll just fix it in post.
4: Not really. No. I know you that's a common thing that television would say. Yes. But um you know, my scripts were pretty much, and I say this with again, the awareness that we only went into uh, well, only one episode, which we've talked about, East Side Story, without mm. a script. Our scripts were always ready. Uh, there were there was stuff there, so we knew what we were getting for better or worse. And in, in a lot of times, um, the, the interesting thing, and and maybe I I promised I'll go back to try to look at this. In that we, we talked about that the scene, the episode that had the most stuff cut out of it mm. uh, was Presumption of Innocence. I do want to talk about we, that. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. With yeah. Bethany and that, because we took out full monologues, we just lifted them. And that's, that was Bethany's uh, really incredible ed- editorial contribution to our entire series, but certainly that particular episode. You know, uh, again, you know, just because a director gets to go into post, yeah, often that doesn't mean the director is a very good editor. Sometimes they are, and sometimes you can find a better, you know. Well, that's what
1: that's what the editor is there for, too, right? Yeah. Yeah,
4: I remember once in the first season. We, we had brought in a lot of Northern Exposure. Any time a Northern Exposure uh, editor became available, we wanted to take, bring the Northern Exposure in, just mm-hmm. cut one for us, or cut two for us, right? It was a big, big thing it seems at the time. And we had a very powerful, a very good editor. An editor went on, I, I think he won awards and stuff. And I remember him showing me <laughs> a scene he had put together. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, okay, here are my notes. Every time you cut to the one character, cut to the other character. Do everything exactly in reverse. I want to see exact. He yeah, had to reverse it.
1: Oh, that that must have been a, especially back in those days, non digital film universe, right?
4: right? Even the part of that. So, well, we were to, no, we were digital. We were in one of the first digital editorial shows. Oh, were you? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's why I encourage you get Kenny Miller on here. You should. talk yes. to Yes. Oh, okay. He's a, to, he's a lot to add. You don't need me on the show. You mm-hmm. really should talk to me because we we were the first we it was the first time spelling had used digital and it was and it was a very, um, uh, you know, it was it was brand new and stuff. So the editors were learning on it on it, too. Sure. Um, and and there were a lot of things that uh, um re- really um, allowed us to do stuff like that. No, I was going when I told a, a a top editor, I don't like anything of how you edit it. Do it the
1: exact <laughs> opposite. I can't imagine. And with The, the ego editor.
4: blow, and oh. not even the amount of time, the ego blow had to be, we never were buddies after that.
1: No, That's I imagine anything. he won't be coming and, on the podcast. <laughs> and we,
4: well, Jonathan might, but you know, we, we knew him through our, our children's ele- elementary school. Mm-hmm. It was just a coincidence. His, his wife taught there. Come at it, come at it. <laughs> yeah. But oh. I, you know, I, I, in fact, I haven't thought about ever him having to do that. But you know, yes, he did, and it's not, you know, must
1: not have been fun. All right, yeah, I want to good. set up this interview we have with Bethany Rooney. She's going to be really great. Um, I did it a little bit earlier when you were in between Arizona and California. Yeah, and somewhere
4: so. between Arizona and hell. Uh, <laughs> you
1: know. I'm going to play that now, and then right. we'll we'll come back from it. Beautiful okay I am with Bethany Rooney who directed uh Highwire uh a long time ago
2: a very long time ago <laughs> <laughs>
1: um well you looked back on some of it did anything first off did anything shoot back at you like I remember directing that scene
2: yeah this is a weird thing i I have a a neck like anything else but it I struggle with looking up and Gabrielle was on, you know, up on a wire. And I remember um, asking the prop guy to bring a a chaise lounge from one of the other sets that I could. So I laid down on that chaise lounge to direct Gabrielle um, and Luke and uh, And Gil Myers and,
1: and Jason was up there. I mean, those were pretty trippy scenes. Um, and, you know, I mean, you did a lot of 90210, so you've done sort of the dreamy stuff at some point, but this was really, this is kind of out there. What did you think when you read this and, and, when, and, and kind of like shooting it?
2: Well, uh, it, it's always fun. It's really ge- genuinely fun for a director to get something outside the box. Directing inside the box is great too, but when you get something that allows you to expand your, your, I don't know, I expand the box, I guess, that you're in. There's another word that I can't think of. But anyway, allows you to just shoot things in a different way or go about them a different way. Or it's a challenge to the director and it's fun. So, though I don't remember exactly how I felt when I read that script, because it was so darn long ago, I do know that anytime. I, as a director to this day, get something unusual. It sparks my my little creative impulses.
1: And I think Gabrielle had some experience walking uh, whatever that is, high wire. She took
2: lessons. That's what I remember. She took lessons for quite a while and uh, was very proud of herself for achieving that. Um, When I looked at that first scene of her on the high wire, um, I was... I wished I would have connected her feet to her her face more so that the audience really knew that it was she doing it. Cause it really was, there wasn't any um, other person, like there wasn't a stunt double or anything doing it, which is unusual and
1: rare. Um, that's such a director's mindset though, to look at something <laughs> 30 years ago And be like, I wish I would have. Do you do you do that sometimes? And some of the, I mean, you directed so much, so much stuff now, and the work is absolutely incredible. (laughs) But do you still do
2: some of that? Of course, because it can always be better, right? I mean, even stuff that I feel like I can't, I can't assess it when I'm too close to it, like stuff that I've um, done recently. But looking back on it with all that time, I think, oh, I could. I'll tell you what, I watching what I watched today, I was pleased with the camera movement, but I felt like I could have done a few more bits of coverage of people. Like, for example, that there was an early scene where Jason was kissing somebody, and then I went around them. I remember
1: I, that shot. I love that shot, though.
2: Yeah, I did, too. Yeah. But I didn't have Jason's coverage. And I know I, the reason I didn't was because the logic of, well, where was the camera if she was up against the locker? Because I personally would have an issue with that. Like, you know, clearly you've, you've broken the set apart to shoot it. And I really don't want people to be aware of that, but watching it, I wish I would have seen Jason's face. So then that made me think, Oh, maybe I have should have staged it differently. Um, (laughs) You're always critical of your work, right? Oh my God. It's so great. But that, I mean, I, what I liked
1: about that shot was because we don't really see things like that in the hallway at 90210, you know what I mean, we don't, you know, usually it's just that one, like, or, or a lot of coverage or one shot kind of a deal, you know what I mean, and you kind of move the camera around a little bit, I think that's one of the things like even, even just like when, when um, Brian, uh, you know, had, or, or David had seen Kelly earlier, and then we kind of see them later on in the hallway, mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of hallway stuff happening.
2: There was a lot in that episode.
1: Yeah, and so you, but you, so you had to make choices, I assume, about like, well, we'll move the camera here, we won't do this here, just so it feels a little bit different every time we're in the hallway.
2: Yeah, and watching it now, I was pleased with it uh, as as a general thing about, oh, I didn't remember that I had done that much of that, because, you know, there was very little hallway there. I mean, literally, there was uh, about 50 feet of hallway, and a couple of you know, T returns, um, on the, on the, on the ends in a stairwell. So it was challenging to come up with something that looked a little different, you know, and that's, again, challenging is the fun part.
1: Sure. Um, there's also some really great, cause this is, this is about the time when the, and I, I, I don't know how much you remember of this, but like the Brenda, Dylan and Kelly sort of triangle is in full, full effect. And, Uh, You know, you shoot this scene with Kelly coming over to see Dylan and whatnot. Were you aware of the magnitude of what was happening with that storyline? I mean, it's still, people still debate it to this day. You know what I mean? So It's kind of insane. But um, what's your thoughts on all of that and being a part of directing something that becomes culturally significant and iconic?
2: You know, the, the reality is you get up in the morning and you go to work and you shoot the day's work and you hopefully you do a good job. And then you get up the next morning and repeat the process. While there is some aspect of the outer world intruding in particular, I remember, there would be, um, you know, photographers with immensely long. So I can put that in immensely long lenses, trying to get shots of the cast. Um, But we had good security and stuff. So anyway, that stuff would would enter consciousness but most of the time you're in your little bubble there and doing the work as best you can and honestly truly you can't think of where this is going to go or who's going to see it or who would have thought 30 years from now we'd be talking about it you you can't, you just can't do that because it would be intimidating and it would might impact stuff so for me you just got to stay with it like for example in this season, this that I just finished last night, very late, um, I directed some pretty uh, famous and ongoing shows. That is Law and Order, SVU, and Chicago PD, for example, and some other ones. And you know, those air all the time, everywhere. And probably I could talk about them 30 years from now, but. That's just not a point of view that helps do the daily work, you know?
1: I do know what you mean. I mean, and have you, like, have, as you've done a lot of directing 90210, post 90210, is that something that you've come to realize or something that you've realized through the process of it?
2: What do you mean? Well, because, you
1: know, after you do a 90210 and it becomes explosive and, you know, it's it's all over in the, sort of in the universe, you, you. I'm sure you can look back on that and be like, "Oh, I directed that episode, or I directed Shannon, or I, or I was a part of that pop culture kind of thing." Mm-hmm. And now, as you go on directing other things, do you still just like say, "Okay, well, I have to just treat it like I did 90210"? Because I'm sure you directed other episodes, like you said, of Law and Order and other things that wound up being significant in those universes.
2: Um. The way I'll answer that question is I was looking at something earlier today where um, someone was advising directors to take photos on set, which I almost never do. I don't have any photos of me with those actors because at the time we didn't have our phones, but also I don't want to be the outside person who says, hey, can I take a picture with you? Because that makes it feel like I'm not with them. Like I'm separate from them. So I don't want to be separate from. Them. I want to be in their bubble and not perceived to be. I, I don't want to make a big deal about it. We're just there to do the work and be creative together and be happy together. But ha- uh taking pictures like you're a tourist mm-hmm. with actors is um it it says I'm separate from you and I I don't want that. So, well, I'm really happy to have worked with those actors and loved them, some of them very, very much. I mean, like it hurt me to watch Luke today. Um, I I don't have any pictures of myself with Luke. I just have wonderful memories.
1: I wanna ask you about that. What is that like looking, I mean, and he's a uniquely special person, right? I mean, he's a good giving. He was, person. yes. So what is that like to look back on Luke Perry's performances as an as an actor, something that you directed in this show?
2: Um, I think he was really gifted. I think he was so empathetic and so natural and so real and um, and so sweet as a human being. And um, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to work with him in later years. Like, I didn't direct Oz, or I didn't direct um, that show that he shot in Canada. You know what I mean? Maybe, Maybe it was River, a,
1: River, 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 Riverdale, or yeah.
2: No, it wasn't. I didn't do Riverdale. But before that, he was like a. a um, it was a period piece, and he was the sheriff or something in, mm. in a small town whatever point being um the only time that I ever worked with him was 90210 but I would see him occasionally see his work and think oh my gosh you're special Mm. you're special I mean Jason is special too they all were because to to do that show to do 90210 and in that time and place and be surrounded by all this craziness that they were um, they, you know, sort of attacked their world, and for them all to maintain and be good people, hmm. I really respect that.
1: Not easy, you know. I don't Not know. If it's, I don't know if it would be the same in the generation of social media and to, you know influencer actors that have shows and
2: whatnot. I think uh, it was safer for everyone's mental space before social media uh mm-hmm. i know a lot of people who who don't do it or who have stepped back from it that it's just too weird to open yourself up to what other people think especially other people millions of other people
0: mm-hmm.
2: who have an opinion and why should you care what their opinion is you know it was hard enough to be Uh, jason and luke or, or ian or and brian too to go out to these um shopping center appearances on the weekends and be surrounded by screaming crowds just like the beatles were basically
4: yeah
2: um that the fact that they grew up and became maintained being a decent human being is kind of an amazing thing
1: for sure Last I want to ask you about this legacy key. Steve is gets the key to the janitor's office. You know, what, what did you think about shooting some of that? We're going to have the actor on that was the janitor with us. Jeff, <laughs> yes. that's so
2: funny because um, watching this show, I, I didn't even rem- I didn't remember that Jeff was in it. I didn't remember it. My friend Mary Kate was the um, art teacher. I didn't remember my friend Denise Dowes was the you know counselor. So funny, it just. You know, you put it away in the in the box of memories. Um, and Jeff, my husband, remind me, Jeff. It can be seen currently as Benjamin Franklin on a, a commercial for cryptocurrency. I think it is.
1: Uh huh. And you direct? <laughs> and you you direct, No. Oh.
2: No, I directed him in in another thing. Again, many 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 years ago, and then we had a social cross-section church actually um, he's a great great guy hope you have fun in terms of Steve getting the key keys to the to the, the closet I mean that's a hilarious story and you know it must have been hard for the writers to come up with apt interesting different stories in a high school and in those families for all those years I really tip my hat to them
1: I think Chuck said that it actually happened. So oh, really so a friend of his got a key, the key to the school. Yeah. See,
2: that's the great background stuff to know. That's yeah.
1: great. Um, I was going to ask you, what did you think of, since we'll have Jeff with us and you're, you're friendly with him or were, Um, what did you think of his performances as the janitor here? I think he's a critical, he sells this, he sells this, right? I mean, the janitor being who he is, I know we, we it's a, probably more of a comedy piece of the show, but I think, he really brings something special to it. What did you think of Jeff's work in this uh, episode?
2: He always does that, whatever he does. He's a really, really good actor, um, you know, who finds the truth, the central truth of a character, regardless of what, how he's supposed to be plugged into the episode. So he's plugging in or meant to plug in as a comedy, you know, accent, but Jeff will always go for what's, what's at the center of that human being. And the comedy goes on top and it's great to find actors like that.
1: Um, The fun stuff with David and Kelly. uh, In the in at the top with the, with the shower and all that stuff. Do you have any memories of doing any of that?
2: No, (laughs) not a one. I was like, oh, huh, look at that. I must've shot that. And I have not a single memory. I do have a memory of that house because i was the first director to shoot that house and i know exactly where it is i could drive to it right now um but it's just funny what sticks with you and what and what doesn't i loved her too i loved her a lot jenny was great to work with and i had some uh, major storylines for her you know through the the episodes that i did
1: what about shannon what about her Was she, was, she's, she's got a big storyline here too that's happening with Brandon and the school and all that. What was Shannon like to work with?
2: I would have to say that that is the one actor in that cast that I never connected with on a human level, on a let's be friends level, on a um, I understand you level. She was just, um, had barriers up that I could not permeate so um you know Mm. at the at this time in my life when I've had so much more experience with actors I could I wish I could if I could go back in time and try to understand her better that would be a nice thing but at the time we didn't have it
1: Mm. that's interesting oh well one day when we have you back. We'll explore more of that because I think there's some interesting stuff there. But This has been great. Thank you for popping in and helping us with this episode. It's, good it's my
2: pleasure.
1: Puzzle. I think your work is amazing in this and the stuff that you do, have done afterwards. Thank
2: so you great. for saying that. I appreciate it very much.
1: All right. Cool. It's good seeing you, Bethany. Appreciate you. Thank you, you too. Bye. All,
2: right. Bye.
1: All right. I mean, it's always interesting to hear Bethany. I want to ask you about a few things. She says that she had to get someone to give her something so that she has some sort of neck issue? Are you aware of that? And she I don't
4: remember that, but you know what it was so interesting to hear that is that how many lo- how many shots were different than you'd find in a spelling show. Mm. There was a lot of things and a lot of them were low angles coming up. That yeah. Was, that, that's with somebody's got a neck But
1: uh, talking about that and about her direction of Gabby walking on the high wire and we kind of touched upon this a little earlier. Gabby had trained herself for circus of the stars on CBS, right? So she was, and, and Bethany's comment was that she wishes when she looked back on it, that she reshot it differently because she w- wanted people to know that that was actually Gabby on the high wire. And she doesn't know that she has a shot that indicates that this is Gabby. Do you, feel, did, you did you pick that note up?
4: Uh, yes, and I can see that, you know, I mean, she did not do the wide shot, the wide shot from looking up. You didn't do that, um, which is, in what sense, would be surprising. Oh, how could they not prove it was her? But we weren't trying, we weren't trying to prove it. Right. In other words, we were just trying to make the best section. And that is, we knew, us who were making it, that's our friend Gabrielle Carteris, Who's worked out to be sitting, being on a tightrope like that? So you, we, you know, who are you? Who do we need to convince about it?
1: Right. It, well, that's. I mean, that's like a, a show about like Gabrielle Carteris. Andrea was just having an inner dream about Gil Myers and 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 all this. So there's no really a real need to see it.
4: Right. Right. And then <laughs> And the, You know. And the Yale. And the Yale thing, and I think we 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 talked about that that it was just it it just seemed we just picked a school random, but it seemed like a right place that someone as a ten year old twelve year old excellent where would I want to go to school I would go to that old American you know university. Um, so, I mean, so
1: that, that star Froman came up with the concept of the dream that way, or is it a combination of you guys? Because my question is, when you read it, I mean, and then you see it, it's really I think it's executed really nicely. I think Bethany does a, a pretty good job of of showing a dream and we'll we'll see more dreams down the line in, in your brain through the show. You know, um, what did you think about it when you saw it on paper versus when you actually saw it? Did it match up?
4: well uh you mean you mean the actual the, 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 the dream it, the dream the dream yeah i i I think it it did and and I also like the fact that when she fell, she actually fell off the couch. I like the fact that we showed that this is a woman who sleeps on the couch yeah does her own baby which we never really saw that's true well then so I, I I thought that was really interesting um and I, I, you know, and and, and getting back to, to Bethany's direction, not quite on the tightrope with you, but, but just because I, I want to get this in before uh, I forget, you, you, those of you who go back and watch this episode over again, um, you know, for this particular one, uh, I'm sorry we couldn't do a watch along this week. I really wanted to because I want because I was seeing it for the first time in many years. I wanted to, you know, my yes. reactions and 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 be filtered into that, but. There was one moment that was that I called it right. Knew exactly what it was. So it was one of the Steve can't get his locker open in the beginning, and he's there and he sits there and he looks down the hallway, and all of a sudden, two women, high school young women, walk into his practically into his space, and you see them both really well. You know the shot I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. You know what that? You know why that was set up that way? No, uh, uh-uh. uh, because those two women, one, one, we put it maybe it was only one set of parents, and it was for a, uh, a, you know, a your daughter and a friend, would get a walk-on part for nine oh two and oh for charity. Oh, I see. To get yourself in. There's another one in the Party Fish episode, second episode of our summer series, where. They're actually Jason's, You actually see Brandon walking by. And say, "Oh, it's the Center Girls." I do remember that. The, yeah. yeah, yeah, that from the Center for Early Education, which mm-hmm. is where my kids went to school, and that was an auction to be on our. Oh, stack. that's
1: fascinating. Yeah. So, so, so
4: but that shot to me that oh, that must be an auction. The yeah. other one that I thought was just great, and I don't know how it got set up, but there was a you know an attractive couple. I noticed them as extras. It seemed to be extras. And, and maybe they also were an option because all of a sudden, there a scene is going on, and two kids we don't even know are just making out in front of their locker, as if it's if, if it, 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 it's not Brenda and Dylan who you'd see, or with sure. Nikki Witt and Brandon, or or whatever combination. <laughs> but two total strength. Well, was that a, was that a, we're doing that with extras? Did Bethany say that would be a great thing? Let's have some kisses. As high right school, here. yeah, maybe mm-hmm. or. Was it somebody who had an on-camera thing? You come on, you're doing our show, and you get to do that, and you bring a friend, and yes, would have you? You want to be in the camera? Kiss your girlfriend. That's right pretty here. cool. Yeah, well, those show shots, you know, were you know part of the fun.
1: Oh, uh, you also I just think. mentioned uh, Nikki Witt and Brandon. There's that little storyline in, in this as well. On top of everything else, that's that's a part of this. What yeah, and think- I
4: thought Nikki got one really nice, uh, really really nice line too. As we were talking about why it was important to have senior year and different things is to have a character like Nikki Wizard. Well, I don't know if I want a a, a boyfriend who's a senior is going to go away for college.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, yeah. Hello. Isn't that at every high school
1: everywhere? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know,
4: I'm, Oh yeah. Well, you know, and I even remember it for myself. I had a, my, my high school girlfriend and I, we were, we were had a relationship was rocky. Sometimes it was really great. And then sometimes it wasn't. And there was a young girl and, Wow, you know, yeah. Let's start getting. Yeah, let's start. To, what do you? I mean, yes, I'm graduating in two weeks. Yeah, no. maybe not.
1: You know, <laughs> um, the on the other show, uh, Jenny's and Tories, but Tori wasn't there. They said Gil sometimes comes across as a little creepy, but uh, I didn't really, I didn't really get that vibe off of Gil in this. Did you?
4: What Gil? Uh... Well, if I remember, the 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 whole thing about about starting the uh, um, high school and senior was that Gabby, I uh, mean Andrea, was not the editor, and and that he right. made it you know hard for her to be given the status that she felt she deserved. She he wanted Brandon to get there, so he was a little. Um, Not as sympathetic to what young women are going through. Uh, So I I saw that as as part of it. And then where he comes Uh, off, so it seems that he was a little flippant in the Yale conversation. Sure. However, what he was basically saying to somebody who's got their heart set on Yale is, uh, and and unless you're a legacy, really all you can have good, great grades all you really can say is good luck. Right. And and she's all hyped up and he's trying to tamper down a little bit. So maybe that's the condescension. Sure. um, That he comes off as creepy in the high wire stuff. I'm going to tear you down. I'm going to, it's completely Andrea's projection. Yes. And and so I don't, he, and he's acting
1: being directed
4: to act that way. Exactly. Um, and remember, you, you have to remember about how an actor comes across in a role and how a director interprets that role is that every episode starts with the tone meeting. And every episode, every director has got to sit across from me and we go through the script line by line and me explain the script. It, it, it's brutally patronizing to say this is where the humor is. This is where the motion is. This is where this. But,
1: but you have to do
4: it. But the. More importantly, it has to be said: if to run a good, effective machine television, it the conversation between the director and the person in charge, the showrunner, whatever you, has to be done in front of the line producer, the person who's really running the production, mm. to avoid a director coming up to a producer and saying, "Well, Charles told me I could do it." Right. You know. Yeah. And so if you have the one basic conversation in front of both things. That was a can never be
1: said. You. Thank, <laughs> right. you
4: Duke, thank you, Duke Vincent.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is a pretty that know, is pretty. No smart.
4: director. And by the way, when a director did try to get around and did not follow the one thing, even though he was a really nice guy, and I know I reacted too harshly with him, he never was invited back. Hmm. You you you, you got to do you, you, gotta, <laughs> you, you know. And the only advice, listen, it's the it's the advice I give to my daughter when she turned in a script recently to Netflix. Turn in what you pitched. Uh, don't you know? Tell do what they give them what they think they're expecting to get instead of oh, I had this wonderful idea and I took everything out that I told you I was going to do. Instead, I did this. It's great you know, advice. That's not your job. Your mm-hmm. job yeah. is, is to deliver what you you, sold. Pri-
1: you pitched. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's. that's a, I think that's good advice for all projects. Oh whatever. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, okay, let's see if there's any other things in this that we need to talk about. Um, well, I
4: think we really did blow something, though. I really do, and I think it's just, and, and possibly because uh, we weren't lo- listening as closely in this episode or didn't envision how important Donna Martin would become. Two things is, is you hear her talk about her father, and oh, my father this, and my father doesn't really respect me, and thinks I just, well, we know that's not how Dr. Martin was portrayed it's once, true. We, once we met Dr. Martin. So we were just having her talk about her generic father to set something up that seemed right for where we were with that character at that time. But once that character has to become real and, and then it was it,
1: totally changed. Yeah, yeah,
4: exactly. So we, we had to change that. And I noticed that. And you'll probably see that throughout. I mean, oftentimes talking about Kelly's father. or I know because yes. they, they brought him back or or Jack McKay or that, you know, or, and we actually saw a different Jack McKay uh, at one point. And you saw a different Kelly Taylor's father at one point. You know, you, you, you do what you have to do. But I think where we blew or, or weren't really listening close enough when when she got such praise for being an artist. Why we didn't get her into fashion design while she was going to California University? I know. I don't know did they ever do fashion design? She did,
1: she did, she does do that. That is where her career winds up. She does, and even later on in the series, she does. She opens a store, a clothing store. She has a merchandise line, she of, of, of dresses and stuff. So they that they she de-
4: designs.
1: Yes, they definitely follow up with that later on in her. Well, in her.
4: Then they. Then they. Uh, they the
1: problem do. was that that they blow it in the sense that where Donna Martin's not a successful. Uh, designer. You know what I mean? They kept, in this later seasons, most of them, like, they were working on a newspaper. They had all these small careers where they should have had these, you know, she should have been the biggest designer. And, and the store should have been
4: popping. Yeah, the Larry, Larry's point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to be in total agreement with him. You wanted to be the st- an ordinary person with these huge stakes. You know, it's, you know, she's just a farm girl, but, you know, now she's the biggest designer. She's just... Exactly. Donna Martin you know oh my god she overcame a and she also, overcame a
1: learning disability she focused in on her art how, how great would it have been a great success story that she had her, her aligned I mean she does do well with it you know what I mean but opens a store and all that stuff but so also,
4: you know and also I don't know how they but because those were things I was more interested in, than who stopping who yes we would have focused really a long time on her getting some this and disappointments and we could have done with art with her the exact same thing we did with um with David Silver. And, and music, music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was there. that was looking at us right there for season four, mm-hmm. and and yet it was more about the sorority and this. And then of course once we, uh, you know, w- once once Brenda was gone, then I'll, her role would would you know completely
1: be yes. Totally. All right. This is great. I think we covered everything in this episode. I'm trying to think if there's something else. We got Gil Myers. We got the high wire. We got uh, D- we talked about Dylan and Kelly. uncertain about their school. There is some of the triangle stuff. He ends the you know, I think I there was
4: a lot. I think this was yeah. the introduction of it a little bit. And it's and it's interesting. So this episode, I think there's again net, the week after is is the football. But right after that, um Mr. Rick comes back into the world. Yes. I think he's coming back pretty quickly to get that that moving up, you know. Yeah,
1: that's great stuff. I'm but th- this one also is when um you know Kelly comes by and wants to be his friend. And you know, I gave the quote sign for those listening, and you know, he's on the phone with Brenda and he says, I love you too. It's a really awesome moment, you know what I mean? Because it really shows like where are they going? Where is all of this going with the three of them?
4: Well, you sure looked at Dylan looking right at her saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. He didn't try to hide it. He didn't do it. Out. I love you. He didn't whisper it. He said it right out loud. And he's not looking. He's looking at Kelly Taylor. Yes. And so it was. And, you know, Kelly saying, as you put in quotes, I'm here to be a friend. No, I think that we talked about it in in, in the, sec- the previous segment, I think, is when she said, I got a boyfriend and you don't, says Donna Martin. That's right. And it and it has Kelly. Said, her. Yeah. Why? Where is my boyfriend? Right. You know, and why am I grumpy about everything and obsessing about everything is because it's all back to the triangle. Yes. Kelly, what's wrong? I know something's wrong with you, says Brenda. You know, Brenda's <laughs> noticing it. I mean, it's impossible to avoid. In fact, I- I'll be truthful. You know, in life, I've always wondered about this. And it was always a thing. not my, This year, uh, Karen and I will be in June, we'll be celebrating our 45th wedding anniversary. Wow. And I've been a faithful husband, and one of the reasons is that at a certain point, it, well, it didn't matter when it was. He said, "Ooh, if I was a major transgressor, she'll know. Mm-hmm. She'll pick up the vibe. Something will be different." Right. I can't put it, and I think that's because I believe in that kind of verbal, sure. you know, non-verbal stuff. But I think that's what's going on here. You something's something's out of whack, and we don't know yet because it isn't. We're not in Roxbury Park. And nobody's going like this to the.
1: End. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, this is a great episode to cover. Um, I think it really we
4: was. get me some other good ones, Pete. Ones we haven't covered, and we'll do it together. And well, you mentioned in. the
1: one too, I, and I like this format of how we. Put it all together, you know. Um, well, the incest one that we that you mentioned earlier is one that I think we should definitely cover. We have not covered that one, we have not covered that. No, Mm -mm.
4: okay, yeah, we we need to try to get
1: Jessica to pop in for that too if we can, you know.
4: Karen wrote it. I mean, that's that's all Karen Green Rosen.
1: Oh, then we need Karen, yeah.
4: Um,
1: well, you have said that Jessica really went to the network and fought tooth and nail about getting incest.
4: I've said, you know, all of us had our different roles and things we could do and didn't do. Nobody could pitch our stories better than Jessica Klein. Nobody could talk that fast and still um, have other people be able to hear what they were saying. <clears throat> she would talk fast, and it wasn't like, I'm talking fast so you won't, so you'll get lost. I'm <clears throat> I'm talking fast to show you how in control we are. We know this and this and this and this. Mm. She did it with Aaron. She did it with the network. We'd walk in. I'd sit back. I'd just, just go, <laughs> <wander up>. yes.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. That.
4: But, and she'd love to talk about that. Whenever Jessica's ready to feel come like back. she wants to come back and uh, be, be with us. Uh, there's, there's a, there's a couple a nice, of things. A so
1: there's a couple up. of things, too. I mean, there's there's the the there's the, uh, there's the other storyline with Steve and the – And Miltonboro, right? So there's there's a lot of stuff we have to. And
4: one we've never done, and one that uh, we would certainly be doing a lot different if it was a different world, and that's BYOB. So
1: yeah, I want to cover that one too at some point. We got
4: some of those first third (laughs) season, first years. We can we can play around with.
1: Sure. All right, cool, man. Well, this has been great. I just want to encourage everybody to go to my Instagram uh, if you don't follow me there. I have an interview with Kathleen Robertson where she talks about swimming with sharks. Uh, a new show on Roku Channel, Chuck. You have to get the Roku Channel so you can catch I up. I got
4: the Roku Channel, and, uh, and not only com- have I swam with sharks, uh, figuratively figurative, figurative and literally, where's my mouth? <laughs> Literally and figuratively.
1: Figuratively. she's got a new show six episodes are out tomorrow make sure everybody goes and checks it out and i interviewed her on my instagram live Kathleen. and um, uh you guys can take a look at that too all right Chuck, right. this has been great we will see you soon um and catch more of these episodes all right thanks Bye. man Bye.